0: You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. And we are back. It's been very cold. Very, very cold. Like six and seven degrees here in Denver. And Tracy and I have talked about it. It's all the fault of a couple of our patrons who were talking about wearing shorts and you know, being in the science, <laughs> oh, well, mean, in time. fairness
1: to the patrons, I oh, they, they're I like, was on doo, the doo, Yeah, yeah, my my pants were also involved in this melody. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in the Chicago area. We went from last weekend being in the high 50s, low 60s, but very blustery. To today, it is twenty degrees, and we had snow yesterday. And so I continue to be done dirty by Midwest spring. It's really just a lie.
0: Here's my story. So, so before we before we get to our guest, who's being very kind and smiling at us, uh, it <laughs> it was it was like five, six, seven degrees here for several days in a row. Uh, I wow. went and had dinner with some friends and showed up at the restaurant that it was one of my favorite restaurants, Hacienda, Colorado. And they have a sign up that says, "We're sorry for the inconvenience. Our heat is out." But don't worry. We have we have little space heaters throughout the restaurant to keep everything warm. And they yeah. lied. Those little space heaters did not keep things warm. I was freezing my butt off and they set us next to a table that was mm-hmm. then they, they have the outdoor section. Right. That's tinted. Mm-hmm. But they had that closed off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, as long as you're not using that, I guess this is fine. And then they decided that they were going to put a party in there. And they kept opening the door. And every time they opened the door, you know, seven degree cold air hit me from behind. And I'm just Uh sitting there like, "Ah, ah, 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 so cold, so cold. And then they put the party in there. So that's cool. They put the party in there and that lasted all of two seconds. And then the party's like, nope. Your space heaters suck. We're not sitting out here. And they moved them all inside, which I thought was hilarious. Anyway, you want to introduce our guest?
1: I certainly do. So <laughs> the folks who listen to us on the regular probably are aware of the fact that we've a couple of times we've had folks on who are my agency siblings. They're represented by my agent or are part of my my larger agency. And we've had some of them on more than once. And this is the second time around for Samantha Coho, who you may remember from her debut novel, The Golden Fury. This one is for Bright Ruined Things. Samantha, how are you? I'm doing
2: so well, Tracy. Thanks for having me back.
1: You are, in fact, in the complete opposite situation of what Patrick and I were just bitching about because you're in California right now. That's
2: right. Although I did come to California from Colorado where I Mm. have been freezing to
1: death.
2: (laughs) In fact, in similar situations, I have a lot of friends. Basically, once I got vaccinated, I was like, cool. COVID is over for me personally, and I will go to all the restaurants. <laughs> but my friends, a lot of them, have been making me sit outside mm-hmm. on patios at restaurants because they really don't want to get COVID. And yeah, I refuse to dress appropriately for the weather ever. So <laughs> I sympathize. <laughs> with the I, well, ins- I
0: actually, the ins- I, I was sitting there because I, I almost always just wear my hoodie wherever I go. <laughs> I, I've joked about it before. Like I had, I have an indoor hoodie and an outdoor hoodie. And the difference between them is like the indoor hoodie. Number one is covered in cat fur and is a little <laughs> frayed around the edges, you know, and, and the outdoor hoodie is nicer. And uh, so I go to this thing and I'm sitting there with my hoodie and I'm, and I actually told him, I said, I may have to buy a coat if this shit continues.
2: It is <laughs> <laughs> actually, we do have real winters in Colorado. So I, I strongly believe that you should have a coat, but I, I will wear like a serious coat. And then, like a mini skirt and tights, <laughs> it's like,
1: right. basically I have
2: no clothes on my legs and many clothes on top, so it just doesn't—it doesn't even out actually. Unfortunately, at that
1: point, it just seems like the weather's a rounding error, right? Be like, look, I have—I've got this upper body thing taken care of. <laughs> Shouldn't it really benefit the Did lower as well? Come on, guys, it's yeah. surface
0: area. Yeah. see, I, I can't pull off a mini skirt, so.
1: Oh well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think more people can than realize. <laughs> the reality of it is, both with, I mean, remote work and the way in which we do recording, you could be pulling off a mini skirt right now, and we would have no idea. So don't sell yourself short, Patrick. Live the dream. There
2: you That's go. Right, <laughs> yeah.
0: So,
2: yeah. right now I'm it- in California, and it
1: is 70 degrees and beautiful. Uh, great- that that is wonderful. So, if there's anything that you are good at, there is. Uh, for those of you who don't know Samantha, the way that that I have come to know her through our through our, our publishing relationships and so on, is that she is one of the most effortlessly gra- glamorous people. That was an <laughs> unglamorous way of trying to say something flattering. I apologize, but but one of the most effortlessly glamorous people who I've ever met, who you know arrives. She sort of like is Instagram if you were to say like I wish I, I wish to create the avatar of Instagram and you would like focus your energies or something and you would sort of project it outward and you would be like bam there she is well I'm really glad it appears effortless I don't want to uh, <laughs> well that, that again is
2: so part of the Instagram thing right
1: the sort of yeah. like the, the hashtag no filter business mm-hmm. so because of that I think bright ruined things is like the apotheosis of your Kind of like constructed brand, Mm. right? So catch folks up on this because they don't know what the hell I'm talking about.
2: (laughs) That's true. So am I introducing my book now via glamour? Is that what? Sure. Why
1: not? Yeah. Via
2: my word salad. You go. (laughs) Yeah, bright ruined things is inspired by actually my grandmother who was the most glamorous person I ever knew. And she, she lived in California on the beach. She had, she had a lot of money. She had a lot of friends. She did a lot of traveling and actually um, so bright ruined things is set on a magical island controlled by a wealthy family and they have a fabulous party once a year and the book takes place over the course of this day when the whole family is coming back to the island they don't always live there and they're bringing their drama and their secrets and they all come out over the course of one day and night. So I think of it as uh, The Tempest by Shakespeare meets The Great Gatsby.
1: Which I think at, at this point, there are, there may be a small number of students or former students of mine who are listening to this being like, so did we just hear that there's a life hack through the syllabus? <laughs> like, <laughs> is that is that? Is that and I, so I think the question, I guess, that I have is, it would never have dawned on me, even knowing those two texts as well as I do, to sort of like take, here I have the Tempest, here I have the Great Gatsby, now kiss, and like see what happens if you embrace some of the aesthetic of the one and some of the the sort of like narrative through lines and character arcs and sort of the, the secrets and the baggage of the other. And if you, it would never dawn on me to meld that. So I guess how, how does this happen?
2: <laughs> yeah, so I think... Honestly, it's always a bit of a stretch to remember when a book comes out what you were thinking when you came up with it four years ago. Um, Or was it three years ago? Anyway, it's been a while. But... I remember I had read The Tempest and I thought, this is a very cool world. You know, it's um, it's a magical island. It's a family stranded here. It's um, indigenous sort of spirits and creatures, indigenous to the island, but they're under the thumb of this sort of colonizer. But because it's written by Shakespeare a long time ago the sort of colonizing aspect of the story isn't brought out the way it would be now, that we have a little more awareness of what mm-hmm. colonization actually entailed. So I found that interesting. And and then I think, honestly, the story, it's, it's in, influenced by the Great Gatsby, uh, but it's also influenced by 1920s British literature. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of like the, the, the issues of class and how characters deal with having money or not having money Mm -hmm. is just a, it's a constant undercurrent. in a lot of the books that I read set in the 1920s, of course, that's a big part of the great Gatsby, but it's also just, just a constant theme of, of a lot of the books I read from the early 1900s. So that I think was a, it was just a, a layer of my subconscious that had sort of lived in these stories that was just waiting there to come out. Yeah. And that's just, the story came really naturally actually. And so did all the characters. The characters were all um, sort of archetypes that had been mm-hmm. percolating there from all these stories that I read. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that quite answers the question.
1: <laughs> but like, you, like you said, it's the, the act of, like kind of trawling the depths of your own subconscious and going like, seriously, what was I thinking? Is yeah, I mean, it's, I that, it's not a small yeah. lift. So yes, yes, that is an answer. Right,
0: And
2: sometimes you have to think like really intentionally about what am I doing here? And sometimes things just sort of spring up from somewhere in yeah. you. And I think this was the latter case for me. But looking back, to, back in retrospect, those are I think the influences that sort of bubbled up at the same time.
0: See, this yeah. always fascinates me, especially discussions of like, things in your subconscious because I know my subconscious is mostly green chili and cannoli. Not together. <laughs> but
1: That sounds like yeah, a great evening. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is like barking dogs and, and clowns circling me with, with bicycle horns. Like, so <laughs> I, I completely I, understand.
0: I always remember one of my favorite T V series uh, came from the BBC from Stephen Moffat's called Coupling. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a character on there named Patrick and he's he's not necessarily a great guy, but there's this this scene where he he's just absolutely upset with the other boys, and he's like, "Not everybody has a subconscious."
1: <laughs> Is the implication that he has like a like like a a layer above consciousness, or no, that he's, he's just like, he's just there? <laughs> He
0: just has consciousness. There's no nothing else. Depth. There's no layer. Yeah. No depth.
1: yeah Yeah. there's no b-plot here kids it's all just yeah okay well
2: i am both glamorous and deep
1: (laughs) there you go I did make the mistake with my students in workshop last week, talking about something that was going on in one of the students' stories, and mentioning that we were talking about whether or not the stakes of the story had been resolved. And a certain number of the students felt they had been, and a certain number of the students felt they hadn't been. And both sides were having a little bit trouble articulating why. And I came out and said, "Well, like, there's there are definitely actually two plots operating in the story. There's the A plot and the B plot." And they were like, "The what?" <laughs> so I started talking to them about what that is, and oh my god, this is such a mistake. This was like the worst <laughs> teacher idea that I've had in a while. Because on the one hand, it is true. Like oftentimes, like a text... Rarely contains a single narrative through line. Like there's there there are other things going on, but they were like so ready for their like and this is the deep plot, But also there's the <laughs> e and they this, this, they went full mortar board with it, right? Like with the mm-hmm. strings attaching this stuff yeah. and like it was oh my god. Like on the one hand I love your energy, but on the other like please stop. This is a four page short story. Like there's no we don't get into the q plot. the yeah. q plot won't be happening well, here. Definitely not the q plot. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I guess that kind of takes me like the whole idea of like the B plots and the Q plots and all of that. And the the idea that there is something in this story that also references this um, sort of like magically immersive personal experience of having someone in your family who has galas and have this, has this life that seems um, sort of like out of central casting in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. there, There had to have been certain, characters or certain ideas that you found yourself like really digging into more because it, it's it's sort of about that and it's sort of part of that.
2: Yeah, so I I left this out of the summary, but our main character in the book, May, is um sort of part of this world, but also not. So like she's the um she's the steward's uh daughter, but her father is dead. So she's sort of she's not a servant because she mm-hmm. she doesn't actually have Any work to do but she also doesn't she's not really part of the family she just sort of hangs around this island like they've kind of they sort of take care of her but mostly they have forgotten about her (laughs) so she's um she's there trying to figure out how she can make a place for herself in this world Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: she's always on the outskirts of um of the exciting things that are going on and i felt that way a little bit myself um when well, you know, I would come in and uh, meet all these really interesting people. and um, But then I would go back to, you know, in the summer, and I would take trips with my grand-grandma took me on these amazing trips. And I would feel like, oh, yeah, um, the world is mine. Every, every possibility is ahead of me. Uh, but also then I would go home and, um, and just to my very, like, basic middle-class um family and all of a sudden it was just like oh no this is this is what life is really like (laughs) and i don't live in central california on the beach so for me there was always this feeling of like but but the other aspect of it was that it was also very apparent to me that having all of this money and privilege came Mm with um dangers and, uh, costs and, um, the, 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 you know, glamorous, interesting, charming people that I met, um, you didn't have to hang around them for very long to find out, uh, which of them were actually quite dangerous (laughs) or, um, uh, or who was, who was, um, papering over, uh, what, what massive problem in their life could, um, you know, end this lifestyle for them. Mm-hmm. And so I, for me, there was this tension all the time of like, I want this, like, this is the way to live. This is fun. And I love fun. And then also like, oh, but is it good? I don't know if it's good. Yeah. Um, and I actually think, and I'm not sure I've articulated this before. So great question. But I think <laughs> that the story really comes out of that tension of like, ooh, I want this, but but is it good?
1: Yeah, there's there is the apple, but there's something about it where you, you there's the smell of poison on it. But you're like, but I could bite here, and if I bite here, would <laughs> I avoid part, it? Like, yeah, is if it, I get under yeah. the skin. <laughs> yeah, like I could just, yeah. like, can I, can I eat around it somehow? Can I? Yeah, See,
0: and 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 I'm sitting here going, you know, should I have should I have pulled stories out of the trips that I took with my grandmother? <laughs> yeah, like like. <laughs> Like, but, but the difference is, you know, we were on a Greyhound going up 99.
2: <laughs> well, that would be a different story, but, but no less. How, I mean. how,
0: how much of a story could you tell about the smell in Gilroy? Hmm.
1: I, mean, I mean, it would be. A- not having been. I mean, it's you could tell me that story garlic. and I would,
0: I would. Take it's some garlic. Away. It's all garlic. Oh. Gilroy is garlic and it is nasty. And you know when you're driving. You know when you're driving through through Gilroy and you know when you're driving through Bakersfield. Cuz Bakersfield smells difference. like cow shit. Mm. <laughs> and then Gilroy is just straight up garlic.
2: See, I'm loving um, this conversation that's the difference between coastal and central California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, see, I'm loving this conversation because as someone who has spent like of her life in the central part of the United States in the Chicagoland area and only on for very brief trips ended up in other places. Most of my internal sense of what places with a capital P are. Comes to me through like the lore of media or the lore of of the reputation assigned to them, and so in my mind, I went to Los Angeles for the very f- not in my mind. I literally went to Los Angeles. To <laughs> clarify. Um, I took a vision quest to no. Um, I went to Los Angeles for the first and only time um, in the fall of 2019, uh, when I went to the world fantasy convention in LA mm-hmm. and I had a great time there. I didn't have the chance to really see LA per se, cause you're just in this hotel and a very minimal walking area and you go out to dinner one other place once, and that's mm-hmm. your weekend. Um, but it was sort of fascinating to me because it was no, it was end of October, beginning of November, 2019. And I expected everything to be on fire. Just <laughs> literally on yeah, fire. Yeah. Like, I expected the tarmac right. to be on fire and, like, the Hollywood Hills to be on fire, never mind that they're not even there that are in a visible way in L.A. Right. itself. Um, because my whole mind was this sort of, like, soup of the ingested lore, right? Mm-hmm. And I, it's so interesting because that's the stories we tell ourselves, and it completely refames, like, your, yours is the Greyhound bus story, Patrick, and yours is the is the sort of um, gilded experience of grandma's life, Mm -hmm. you know, Samantha. And for me, I had this very weird experience with my extended family where because the only side of the family that we kept much contact with was my mother's side, which lived in a very rural, very economically depressed area of northern Michigan, we were seen as fancy folks. (laughs) And it was sort of amazing to me growing up in a very average suburb uh, in a, in a 50 year old average suburban house that had aches and pains and things we couldn't afford to fix and so on to be seen as wealthy and, and as privileged going up there and to be seen as fancy folks um, because we had things like a car that was two years old, as opposed to a car that was 12 years old or, Mm -hmm. you know, various other things. And it was weird because people would describe to me what my life must look like. And it sounded like what you are describing grandma and uh-huh, like, uh-huh. and there's the vastness of the disconnect. It's all just these stories that we're constructing.
2: Yeah. And I do. Um, I think that actually speaks to what ends up being um, the main theme of the book, which is how, uh, how easily you can focus on what what's being denied you mm-hmm. and, um, and not see that there are people on the sort of privileged ladder below you who are being denied a hundred times more <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah so I, I do feel like when when I was at my grandma's house I would be like wow I'm this very very funny. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then i would and then i would go home be like you're right no i'm not (laughs) but uh of course you know just a middle class american white ladies
0: yeah (laughs) yeah. i i remember i remember going to my aunt and uncle's house in san jose and they had they had this very fancy furniture and it was all covered in plastic Mm -hmm. interesting and i thought i thought wow I, you know, I thought that that was very fancy, and it turns out that was just Italian. That was like <laughs> that was like his mother's furniture. My uncle, mm-hmm. it was his mother's furniture, and his mother had wrapped it in plastic to keep it, you know, keep it clean and safe and everything, and and he kind of inherited it.
2: I've never understood. So, do you is is the plastic on the furniture because there are times when they take
0: it off? No. For special-
1: occasions or no just uh, that, that depends on the household yeah
0: this this like, household we'll no, everything there everything wrappers was and unwrappers yeah in in this house everything was wrapped all the furniture had plastic on it then the plastic stayed on mm-hmm. and i yes. had to sleep on a couch that was wrapped in plastic and it was the hottest couch in the universe because of yeah. that stupid plastic i hated sleeping on that couch
1: Yeah, that's depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Now I wish I could remember where I'd seen this, but literally just a couple of days ago, I was reading a Twitter thread from a historian of um, mid-20th century social economics that was talking about all of the ways that so many things that are now day-to-day staples of our lives were developed to help women who were either beginning to enter the workforce or or yeah. who were trying to avoid entering the workforce for as long as possible and mm. saving money by not having help or things like that in their households present on their family's behalf the illusion of them being all competent like oh. the house is always clean that the kids the kids clothes are always pressed that there is you know fresh food on the table cooked on the regular and so on and obviously, it's sort of that when you get people of this sort of historical bent going, they love talking about box cake mixes um, because if you think about the way a box cake mix is developed, there's already powdered lots of stuff in there. They yeah. could put powdered yeah. egg and powdered milk and and suspended oils and things, and they already actually do, for the most part, the things that the box cake mix asks us to add. You don't need you to add. Tell the dif- you don't really need it. You would tell the difference if you did nothing but add water, but it would still be very much a cake. And the only reason that it's like add this oil or this milk or this egg is to present the feeling that there is a real cooking activity happening <laughs> to sort of soothe the person who has purchased it and wants to present and feel authentic and saying, I made this. So they feel like they really made something, but also lower the bar of difficulty on it enough so that it actually becomes achievable and affordable because you're not buying all these individuated ingredients that you may or may not end up using before they go. Um, yeah. And this and is so, and, and, to make brownies. Yes. Right. And the the wrapped The wrapped couches were an evolution of that, that there were families who kept the couches wrapped for all but very specific company for which it would be magically unwrapped and unsealed because Mm -hmm. the whole idea was to present the illusion that at all times the house is at this state of spick and span orderliness. And then you just clean then and you rewrap it. And that for some families that just evolved into now we have the good couches that are forever wrapped versus like the couches that my children are actually allowed to sleep on or, or do stuff on. And so, yeah, it's all, it's all. And again, it's all part of this idea of constructing illusions and how do we, how do we create these illusions that support this idea of the life we want to have, which takes me to the magic, right? So we mm-hmm. can't lose track of the fact that you've written a historical fantasy and the Island is magical. What's mm-hmm. the magic for? What is, how does it manifest in your story?
2: So the magic, there's a lot of um, the heart of the magic, basically, is that they make this um, power source, which I called ether, because that's a word that I already knew. (laughs) 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 Um, And it's it's. Basically, like gasoline, but way more pretty and way more efficient. It's, I sort of thought of it like it's maybe it's cold fusion or something. It's just it's very, very good <laughs> and very valuable. And um, they, uh, the spirits who inhabit this island, uh, produce it mm-hmm. under the like control of the family who is who has um, come to the island, and. For me, I think in both this book and in my first book of Golden Fury, um, magic—it's less about uh, the f- the sort of fun wish fulfillment elements of magic that that I initially loved fantasy stories for, and more uh, just an analogy for power. Like ma- magic is power, and um, and this it could really just be money. <laughs> it could just be social capital, but it's, but it's magic. And um, the really interesting thing about the magic is what the people who have it use it for mm-hmm. and um, sort of how it informs the, the social dynamics in between the, the family members and their... their uh, their loved ones, although, honestly, this family doesn't really love each other that much, so they're <laughs> their
1: connections. We use the term <laughs> loosely.
2: Yes. <laughs> not uh, not a lot of love on this island.
0: Yeah. So it's not Love Island is what you're saying.
2: No, it's no, not Love no, Island. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: not going
2: to. There is. I did, uh, I did have fun with the magic because I also just imagined, like, what would make this the most um delightful lovely beautiful um island that a person could come to and i figured i can since they're spirits i can have them do anything like they can the the uh the spirits like fly around the island all the time making beautiful music (laughs) just just so that it's always uh it's always sounds like a special place um and the music is not replicable off of the island so when the characters who live on the island go away to boarding school they're just like wow it's it's very weird that there's no music at all times i don't i don't understand the air here that's all blank
0: mm-hmm. so, yeah see i have always got a song in my head so the music goes yeah, with like, me everywhere yeah. i go yeah <laughs>
1: Perhaps your secret origin story is that your people were originally spirits of the ether
0: who <laughs> located themselves in
1: Paducah, Kentucky. And mm-hmm. thus I mean we could we, we could work with this. And then there was a Greyhound bus. Yeah. And, there should sure be a Patrick yeah. version of this story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we could we could flip this around from the other <laughs> side. All right. So I have a question that um, on the one hand, I think is deeply unfair because I thought to myself, if I asked, if someone asked me this question on the spot, I would probably just have a panic attack. But oh, cool. I really want to know the answer. <laughs> and uh, so I'm sorry, but also not sorry. Um, I would love to know, since you were like, no, I want to pull these threads together from these these different aesthetics and these different stories that are sort of informing the way I'm thinking about the story I want to tell. Do you have a favorite author or an author of interest where if you could like assign them a story to retell or to to be informed by you're like do this do it oh my god i mean like the world you can do it for whatever reason for whatever reason reason, reason, yeah they have to do it they'll obey you because because ether or reasons or whatever yeah i don't know i'm trying trying to think about question i'm trying to play fair (laughs) and so i will try to think of an answer as well dead or alive just I mean, alive. make them do the thing I don't know make them make the dead dance we got necromancy whatever
2: great okay and then <laughs> I, I I'm giving them like a, a story to retell or I'm giving them just just basic like a premise or what am I
1: what are the, I mean, we'll go with the idea we'll go with the idea of informed by or retelling of just to kind of yeah yeah oh, wow okay so I think um I'm gonna pick
2: I'm going to pick Madeline Miller because uh, I love her. And she does also already do retellings. Mm -hmm. Um, So Madeline Miller wrote Song of Achilles and uh, Circe, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And they're both Song of Achilles is the the story of like the Iliad from... the perspective of Achilles and Patroclus and their romance. Mm-hmm. And then Cersei is the story of the witch Cersei, but but it's uh her her point of view. Mm-hmm. And what Madeline Miller does really well is take these times where certain people did not have any kind of voice and and but but their figures there and she gives them that voice. So so in that case, I do want to take her out of the Greek era because, because this is, because then I'm exercising my power to make her do something. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. Okay. So I think I might, I might really like to see what she did with something like the Tempest. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe like, but but the tempest but from the perspective of caliban i feel like that's been done or maybe from the perspective of ariel but she hasn't but, done it so whatever she yeah. hasn't done it yeah she hasn't done it and i think she would make that very very interesting um yeah so nice. that's that's my choice nice so uh, somebody tell Madeline Miller she needs to do that.
1: We'll get, on, we'll get right on that. I'm sure she'll put that that demand at the top. Typing an email right cues. now. <laughs> You're on it, Patrick. He's got the, he's got the contact <laughs> list open. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I do think that, I mean, for a while the Folger Shakespeare Company was doing a, um, a whole line of retellings of Shakespeare as done by different um, modern authors. And we had um their retelling of the tempest was actually uh oh my gosh i can't believe i'm blanking on the name margaret atwood oh um did a retelling of it um which i've i've mixed feelings about i think parts of it were was it a novel or what what what, was a novel yeah Uh, each one of these are novels oh my god and see this is the problem i should be able to think of the name what the hell was the name of it all right well i'll look it up Uh, it's fine we'll google it later um i should know because i literally taught it um, but you can tell from the fact that I'm blanking in this way, that it was perhaps not a text I decided to stay with in the long run. Okay. You know um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know for me, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get really playful here. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to choose our agency sister, Allison Epstein. Allison, are you listening? I have homework for you. Allison, you need to redo Puss in Boots for me <laughs> because it is 1000% your brand anyway. And I think you may be the only one who'd be able to get our no talking animals agent to to come around. I'm just yeah. saying, like she's not a big fan of the talking animal shtick, but. I don't know, man. See, this
2: is this is one of the things that made me think Bridget was the agent for me when she's like I'm not really into talking animals or little
1: animal friends and I was like
2: good. <laughs> Cause I have no <laughs> idea how to write that.
1: I've never bonded with an animal nah, in my see, life. I need Allison to soften her up for me because I got a secondary character in in what I'm working on right now that I am not going to change into a human being.
0: Oh, not for okay. anybody. Okay. No, it's not
1: gonna
0: happen. So See, I can't remember if it's if it's Neil Clark or John Joseph Adams, but either either Clark's World or Lightspeed has in their submission guidelines no talking cats.
2: hmm Yeah, I respect
1: yeah. that. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So i Everybody gotta draw the line somewhere. I've always thought it'd be really cool to to just write a, an incredible story that either one of them really, really wants, but there's a talking cat in it.
2: Yeah, I I think I I can do without giving myself that level of difficulty
1: (laughs) Try to remove those kinds of barriers. How about I just write a story they want and we'll start (laughs) from
2: there. Good
1: idea, Tracy.
0: They send send out a letter, hey, we're buying this. Great. I have one tweak I want to do. One slight
1: tweak. It's a, it's really important <laughs> yeah. that we add this talking cat. Yeah. We need that to, would we be need very to. annoying of you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that is kind of my brand. So
1: is it possible for you to open up a response email from them that's just a dial tone? Is that a good <laughs> <people can> do? <laughs> like, oh, I think they just have sent me a message, literally.
2: Um, uh, so the, the Margaret Atwood uh, Tempest book is
1: called Hagseed. Hagseed, that right? that's right. Yeah. 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 He's a he's a uh, performance arts teacher who um, is is teaching in a in a penitentiary interesting Um, and he gets the he teaches them Shakespeare and he gets them to put on a production of the Tempest but the production of the Tempest is a front for him getting vengeance on some people who ruined his previous career as a director of the Canadian Shakespeare Company.
2: Oh, I like that. I like things that are
1: fronts for vengeance. Yeah, yeah. So it it cues in that sense fairly closely to, you know, front for vengeance stuff coming out of of the Tempest itself. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's even better than a front for vengeance? Picks of
0: the week. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) you like that hard turn there?
0: (laughs) Transition. So what I'm hearing (laughs) is you want some music
1: i mean maybe i don't know like is an ethereal oh it's music of the ether listen to that they're singing to us yeah. the island is exactly like that isn't it all the yeah, time that's, yeah that's my mental image <laughs> Patrick, if you got a pick for
0: us i do uh so i i posted this on the the facebook group for the patrons mm-hmm. that that Paramount Plus was doing a an anniversary thing for one year. It's over now. By the time of this recording, actually, even as we're recording, it's over. But they did a thing where you could get Paramount Plus for three months for a dollar a month with ads, or two dollars a month without ads. So I went mm-hmm. ahead and and got it because there I had some Star Trek to catch up on that they've had there. So my pick this week is actually Star Trek Lower Decks season two. Oh, okay. Which has some very funny moments in it. Uh, There's even, uh, you remember um, Shaka When the Walls Fell, Tracy? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, Starfleet has their first ever officer from that world join the crew of the Cerritos.
1: From Darmok. Yeah. yeah, and, okay. and yeah.
0: he goes back and forth between trying to do galactic standard and falling mm. back on his his own idioms and, and saying, you know... I think know, they're the Tamarians, Yeah, I remember. So there's that episode. There's also an episode yeah. that cracked me up because it was um, kind of like a what happened to the crew of Voyager after they came back. And it turns out that they went on a handshake tour. Like, individuals have gone out and, and just, like... They're very celebrity oh, driven okay. kind of thing now. And Boimler, the the ensign on the Cerritos, is he has the he has the entire collection of commemorative Voyager bridge crew plates. Oh. And he only needs Tom Paris to sign his to have a complete collection of all of them having been signed. And Tom Paris comes to the Cerritos. And so it's this, it's this long journey of of Boimler trying to get to Paris when the ship no longer recognizes him as a crew member and keeps locking him out of everything. So he's having to climb through the Jeffries tubes and stuff. And he's trying to protect the plate while also trying to get to Tom Paris. It's absolutely hilarious. So again, this show full of Easter eggs. So damn funny all the time. Star Trek lower decks. Uh, I almost feel like it's the best Star Trek right now. I really do because it's so funny.
1: I have, a, I have a pause button question to ask here yeah. of the assembled. Why did they call them Jeffries tubes?
0: Mm. Uh, I uh, I would have to pull. I've got the book here somewhere. I've got the. Um, Denise, Not my area
2: of expertise. Michael and
0: Denise Okuda <laughs> yeah, uh, manual, yeah. I think, explains. It. I, I feel like it was named after someone.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like who invented them or something. I don't know.
1: Okay. All right. Samantha, how
2: about you? What's your pick? So, uh, my pick of the week is, um, being tall but still wearing high heels. Um,
1: so. Usually we go for picks that that people can achieve, but this is I mean this is a new kind of goal. So okay. please, yeah. So, um, how about this?
2: I will I will adjust this. Um, okay. My pick of the week is finding high heels on Poshmark. So like, um, okay. yeah, finer heels that are very expensive, but that you can get for really not that much money. Uh, for me, I I am five ten. I do not. I did not. Not wear heels for a long time because I thought then I would just be a giant <laughs> and that would be too much but I realized um, too much is my brand so I don't know what I was doing not being too much before. Um, <laughs> so now I buy um, designer heels on Poshmark for very little money and then I am a six foot tall giant at parties
1: fantastic
0: I, I, I'm tall and and it's funny because I, I just recently um, so I'm showing on the video that I've got my finger in a splint. Oh. I had to go to the doctor. And uh, I, I always forget because we've done telemedicine for two years. Right. So I haven't mm-hmm. seen her in person. She's about four foot tall. She is oh. tiny. And I go in for the first time and, and she, she has me sit up on the bed thing and she's looking up at me and she's like, I forget how fucking tall you are. <laughs>
2: I like your doctor. I Maybe do you too. Can talk about getting high heels on
1: Poshmark, that might be. A- <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let me tell you about one of our recent guest pick of the week, <laughs> <It's> with you in <laughs> <and> mind. Yeah. <laughs> I do love leading with the whole being tall, but also, um, so, you know, listeners, if you can, you know, work some kind of, uh, you know, relatively benevolent steroid regime in there, then you can really capitalize on all the I elements mean, with Samantha's Being tall pick. is a good life hack. I'm
2: sure Patrick yeah. would agree. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, it's fun. Cause I, I always like the line from, uh, from Ron White. I'm between six, six, two and six, four, depending on which convenience store I'm leaving because <laughs> it's always different yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i will say it, it, it's interesting when i'm going to the store and and people stare for a minute and i look at them and then i go oh do you need something up there and they go yeah can would you mind i'm like nah and i just reach up and grab whatever they need but it's yeah. it's a common it's a common thing for me
1: <laughs> oh my god i think i just realized why they have those measurements outside oh my god it took me this long.
0: You don't know why?
1: Oh, no, I, don't I, know I think, think know. I just figured I it out.
0: If because they get, if, if they yeah, get yeah, if they get held up, yeah. that way
1: when the guy goes out the door, yeah. they can they can say oh, he's about this big. Yes. Oh man, that penny just <laughs> dropped. That's a little. That's a little depressing. Yeah, I never I at those. My kids always used to run up to them and be like, "Mom, look, I'm this big." And uh, yeah. it was like, it was like cute. And I'm like, "Why the hell do they have those?" I'm like, "Oh shit." Yeah.
0: Well, they, again,
1: this is our constructed realities.
0: And here you go. You can you can dig even deeper. I mean, convenience store has a whole new meaning for you now. Mm, yeah. It's not just convenient yeah. for you. It's convenient for the robbers.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> weirdly this actually kind of leads to my pick of the week <laughs> so inspired by bright ruined things as um 1920s jazz age aesthetic i couldn't help but remember one of my favorite um games that doesn't hit the table very often anymore and i believe it was re-released in 2004 so there's a semi-recent re-release of it the game is called bootleggers and as you can guess from the title, it is set in 1921. And the whole premise of it is that the 18th Amendment is around and it sure doesn't look like it's going anywhere. Um, and you are the leader of a gang that is is running a gin mill. And so you've got gin mills and hooch parlors and whatnot that are in a variety of places throughout the city. And every other player in the game is playing a rival um, distillery operating gang. And so you are in a race against them to acquire – the resources that you need in order to run your distilleries, you have to hold some money on reserve so you can like bribe the cops to look the other way. You have to use a certain amount of your funds to get trucks of different sizes to send out shipments and barrels and things. Um, you can create situations where you can kind of uh, lobby against other players and either negotiate to share territories with them or take resources from them or narc them out to the cops for for protections and things and so if you are interested in the fine art of bootlegging as captured through tabletop uh gaming bootleggers is a genuinely good time that sounds fun that sounds like my kind of game it is it's a good game Mm -hmm. it's a good one all right so Ooh, this has been a journey. We've we've gone from Magic <laughs> Island to Greyhound bus to why the numbers are by the convenience store door to our high heels and back again. And and so now folks need to know where to find you and where to find your stuff, Samantha. All
2: right. Well, um, my my books, Bright Ruined Things and A Golden Fury, are available where books are sold. The paperback of A Golden Fury is out now. So. Mm-hmm. Um, why that, you know, at your local indie or Barnes & Noble or the BAD website. <laughs> Any of those places are fine with me. Um, and I am on Twitter at SM Coho, but I am much more on Instagram. Um just Samantha Coho. That's uh, C-O-H-O-E. And that's all I have. I am sort of fake on TikTok, but have not posted anything yet because that is for young people, very young people. <laughs>
1: I, I have had the weird experience of seeing a few of my age mates um doing TikToks recently and just I I think I think this is a mistake. <laughs>
2: I, <think. laughs> I, think, I, think, I, I don't I've seen a lot of authors getting into it and I mean um,
1: some of them do a great job, but yeah, I'll yeah, some of, them do. Sense. yeah <laughs> some of them do, but I think there's, there's a certain number of us that really just need to kind of, um, that need to not, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: So we went from text on Twitter to 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 images on Instagram, but the videos—that's just too—that's too far. The, the little yeah. dances. Yeah, we've, and- we've drifted
1: okay. too far away from our. Yeah. From the whole reason that we sit there and write words in coffee shops, or the loneliness of our home, or while mm-hmm. trying to keep our small children from nagging us, is so that we don't have to communicate through videos and images.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: All right. Well, thanks so much for being with us, Samantha. Thank
2: you so much for having me. This is really fun.
0: Welcome to March. Spring will be sprunging. Wait, springing? Eh, I don't know. But anyway, it's happening soon, and that means it's time for a new bumper. First on the agenda, Beyond the Trope. Giles and Michelle over at Beyond the Trope should be scratching their ears and wondering who's been talking about them. It's me! I've been talking about them here and in other places like Capricorn 42. Why? Because they have a pretty nifty little podcast. They talk to authors and artists just like we do and release episodes on Tuesdays, just like we do. So if you subscribe to both our podcasts, it's like getting a double feature every week. In other news, I mentioned before Capricorn 42. That's because Tracy and I had a lot of fun there, especially spending time with several of our patrons. Becoming a patron doesn't just mean you get to hang out with us at conventions, although you might. It means also getting access to things like monthly hangouts, a patron's only episode of the podcast every month, and even a private Facebook group where we talk about extra nerdy things. It's as close to the green room for the show as you can get without, you know, actually being in the green room. Check out patreon.com slash functional nerds for more information about becoming a backer. What's next? Well, April, I guess, comes after March. I'll probably have to record another bumper. But that's easily days away, or more, who knows? (laughs) Time. Time is so stupid. Mr. Carpiers, you got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe.
1: Oh, for God's sake. Patrick Louise. (laughs) That's probably a good enough signal.